friend, welcome back. How are you doing with intuitive eating principles one and two, rejecting the diet mentality and honoring your hunger? My email is in the show notes and I always love hearing from you. So seriously, let me know how you're doing. This episode is covering intuitive eating principles three and four, making peace with food and challenging the food police. I'm putting these two in the same episode because they go together like Cinderella and Prince Charming. Raise your hand if you think of foods as good or bad healthy or junk foods, and if you put the word should, have to, or need to in front of certain foods. I was there too. I used to think of food as good or bad, and that transferred to me, and I was good if I was eating good food, and I was bad if I ate something I wasn't supposed to. These thoughts led to a lot of feelings of guilt, worthlessness, and shame. Remember when I told the story of hiding the pizza box in the recycling bin? That was back when I thought pizza was bad, or at least something I shouldn't be eating on a weekly basis. Things are different now. I've made peace with food, and I know you can too. No more feeling guilty for eating something. No more feeling deprived. Only feelings of peace and joy around food. Let's chat more about how you can make this a reality for yourself. We've talked before about the restrict binge cycle, and we're going to keep talking about it today. When you rigidly limit the amount of food or types of food you're allowed to eat, it usually sets you up to crave larger amounts of that very food. There's something that happens when you tell yourself not to do something. I remember when Brian and I were on our honeymoon in Scotland touring castles, the royal palace of Holyrood House, and very old cemeteries. I like to think of us as respectful people, but as soon as there was a keep out sign, our interest was piqued and we wanted to go exploring more. Another non-food-related example of this is when I was dating Daniel. My parents hated him. And for valid reasons, looking back at it as a mom now, I can admit that. But in the throes of teenage love, their hatred for him made me cling harder to him. Had my parents not shown their distaste for him so blatantly, I probably would have ditched him a lot sooner than I did. But then Brian and I might not have gotten back together. So I guess it all worked out for the best in the end. As we well know, the same rebellion rears up when we say we aren't going to eat something. During my diet days, I tried going gluten-free. As soon as I said I wasn't going to eat wheat, instantly craved wheat. Okay, not instantly. There was this period of diet euphoria where I swore this time will be different, but with each day that passed, the craving for bread grew and grew until I would be so fixated on bread, pasta, pizza, and donuts that I'd eventually cheat, and then the self-flagellation would begin. I'd beat myself up for not being able to stick to a diet again, for cheating on falling off the wagon again, and for not having more willpower. So I'd find a new diet or food to restrict, and the pattern would start all over again, because that's what happens when we view foods as good or bad, healthy or junk foods. And it happens when we restrict or limit foods or calories. Eventually, biology wins, and we eat, often overdoing it. Psychologist Fritz Heider stated that depriving yourself of something you want can actually increase your desire for that very thing. This is what makes recovery so difficult. Think of a time when you swore you weren't going to do something you really wanted to do, whether that was eating a bowl of ice cream, buying a new pair of shoes, or limiting your time on social media. The more you put off doing the thing, the more you wanted to do the thing, right? And here's the kicker. 
If you are someone who has experienced deprivation in other areas of your life, such as love, attention, material wants or needs, the deprivation connected to dieting may be felt more intensely. And that's something you have no control over. As a young child, if you didn't get the affection or attention you wanted or needed from parents, you likely learned to use food to cope and help you feel better. Natural response, and it works really well until it starts to cause other problems, like when you try to give up food. The term hangry came from somewhere. Have you ever been around a person trying to quit smoking? They can be downright mean sometimes. And a similar thing happens when you intentionally restrict or deprive yourself of food. Tell me if you can relate to this. I love Oreos, but I was afraid to buy them because anytime they were in the house, I would put off eating them for as long as possible knowing that as soon as the package was open, they'd be gone in two to three days. For whatever reason, I could not control myself with Oreos. If they were in the house and open, I would find myself having suddenly eaten the entire row in one sitting. I would then beat myself up for binging on junk food. That's when I thought foods were good or bad. And clearly, Oreos are bad, and I shouldn't be eating them. So every time I allowed myself to eat them, I ended up binging on them, thanks to this rebelliousness. What makes it worse is that I was alone in this. I couldn't share my dirty little secret with anyone. I couldn't let anyone know what I had done. So the guilt and the shame grew and grew. How did I deal with these uncomfortable feelings of shame and guilt? You guessed I turned to food and ate some more? You'd be right. It's like you have a crystal ball. Or you've been there too. The key to stopping this restrict binge cycle is giving yourself unconditional permission to eat. This means believing foods aren't good or bad and eating anything you want without food deals, such as, I'll have the cheesecake now, but I'll do an extra hour at the gym tomorrow to make up for it. If the thought of making peace with food and not viewing food as good or bad or healthy or junk foods is scary or seems impossible, I get it. I held on to this belief for a long time, longer than was good for my mental health, in fact. So here's what I suggest trying. To start, think of all foods as having different nutrients. All foods have nutrients, right? Some have more vitamin B than others, and some have more fiber than others. But those differing nutrients don't make one food better than another. Food is food. Second, practice the intentional thought, no one food has the power to make me fat or thin. I bet we've all heard the saying, one cheeseburger didn't make you fat, and one salad won't make you healthy. And while that's true, there's also underlying shame in that saying, but that's a topic for another day. Third, practice the intentional thought. My worth is not tied to food. I am not bad if I eat a cookie, and I am not good if I eat a salad. Feel free to change cookie and salad with any other foods that might be in your junk or healthy list. Once you're open to the idea of making peace with food, you'll start to notice this magical shift. When you truly know you can eat whatever you want, the desire to eat those previously forbidden foods greatly diminishes. I'm now well into intuitive eating, and you know what? I can have a package of Oreos in my house for weeks, if not months. Open, by the way. Back in my diet days, when I would allow myself to have a treat with Oreos, I used to put two cookies on a plate. Two cookies is the suggested serving size, And I thought that by putting only two on my plate that I'd be satisfied. Like hell I was. 
Those two cookies were only the appetizer, and I wanted more. These days, I can sit down with an entire package of Oreos and a glass of milk and not eat to the point of being physically sick, also known as an entire row of cookies. As odd as it sounds, I'm satisfied with a lot fewer Oreos than I ever imagined. And on top of that, a lot of other formerly forbidden foods either satisfy me much quicker or no longer taste good. Funny how that happens. It was only a bad story I was telling myself that I had no control around Oreos. When I changed the story, the ending changed. You too can change the stories you tell yourself. Tribbly and Rush give five steps to making peace with food. Step one, pay attention to the foods that are appealing to you and make a list of them. Step two, put a check by the foods you actually do eat, then circle the remaining foods that you've been restricting. Three, give yourself permission to eat one forbidden food from your list. Then go purchase this food either at the store or a restaurant. Step four, eat the food. Checking in with yourself to see if the food tastes as good as you imagined. If you find you really enjoy it, continue to give yourself permission to buy or order it again. And step five, make sure you keep enough of the food in your kitchen so that you know it will be there when you want it. Or if that seems too scary, go to a restaurant and order the particular food as often as you like. Once you've made peace with food, continue on your list until all the foods are tried, evaluated, and freed. If your list is quite large, you don't have to experience each and every food listed. Rather, what's important is that you continue this process until you truly know you can eat whatever you want. As you work through these foods and start to add more foods to try, you may notice the food police, both from yourself and those around you. Here are some examples of the food police showing up, saying or hearing any of the following. Sweets are bad for you. I shouldn't eat after 6 p.m. If I eat breakfast, it will make me hungrier and eat more throughout the day. Dairy is bad for you. I shouldn't eat salt. Bread, pasta, gluten is bad for you. Fat is bad for you. I should only have one slice of pizza. It's not even time to eat. The food police scrutinizes every eating action and leads to feeling guilty if you don't follow the rigid rules. The food police also keeps you stuck in the dieting world out of touch with inner cues. Following food rules and appeasing the food police strengthens dichotomous thinking, also known as all or nothing or black and white thinking. Things are one way or the other. It is good or it is bad, which throws us right back into the restrict bin cycle that we want to stay away from you. Here's a secret for you. Okay, it's not super top secret, but I'm trying to hype it up a little, okay? Self-awareness. That's right. Self-awareness is the food police's kryptonite. Pay attention to how you feel when you eat. When it isn't satisfying or you feel uncomfortable or out of control, slow yourself down. Recall what you were thinking and feeling prior to eating. Explore how this led to your food choice, and if necessary, challenge those thoughts. The further you get into your intuitive eating journey, And the more you follow me on this podcast, the easier it will be to catch these unhelpful thoughts and choose to change the story in your head and or manage your emotions with something other than food. Let's do a quick recap. Principle three and four are making peace with food and challenging the food police. I gave you three steps to begin with if this idea seems too daunting. Step one, 
Think of all foods as having different nutrients. Two, practice the intentional thought. No one food has the power to make me fat or thin. The third, practice the intentional thought. My worth is not tied to food. I am not bad if I eat a cookie, and I am not good if I eat a salad. When you're open to making peace with food, you can follow AAA and Rush's steps. One, pay attention to the foods that are appealing to you and make a list of them. Two, put a check by the foods you actually do eat, then circle the remaining foods that you've been restricting. Three, give yourself permission to eat one forbidden food from your list, then go purchase this food either at the store or a restaurant. Step four, eat the food. Checking in with yourself to see if the food tastes as good as you imagined, and if you find you really enjoy it, continue giving yourself permission to buy or order it again. And step five, make sure you keep enough of the food in your kitchen so that you know it will be there if and when you want it. Or if that seems too scary, go to the restaurant and order the particular food as often as you like. As with everything food and body related, remember to be gentle with yourself and know you won't be perfect at this. If you're looking for more support on your journey, please reach out to me. I'd love to chat about how I can help. And if you have a question food or body related, see the show notes for my email and send me your question or suggestions for future topics. Next episode, we're covering principle five, feel your fullness, and principle six, discover the satisfaction factor. I hope you join me next week. Be well, my friends.